0: Доброе <laughs> That kind of very hacked means good morning in Russian. Um, so, uh, sort of. It's I was so bad at the um, at the language that it's it was pretty sad. Gage actually picked up on it pretty well. But you, the your tongue goes in different places. It's like at the tip of your anyway, okay, it's by your teeth, whatever, okay, they make much different sounds, so it's very difficult to learn the language, but it was amazing, so um, Gage and I just kind of, I'm so loud, Um, Gage and I just wanted to um, really just kind of give you, I am going to try to keep it really brief, (laughs) um, just a snapshot of what happened over there, and just basically how grateful we are for being sent out, Um, you guys provided for us I mean, it was a it was a pricey trip, and you made it happen for us. And we, um, I mean, we just barely took any out of pocket. Really, it was phenomenal how much money we raised and the support that you guys gave. And as an act of thank you, I was going to um, bring back a whole bunch of Russian chocolate for you because they have the best chocolate ever. But I didn't <laughs> because I never left. I never got to go shopping I mean it was business the whole time and so please forgive me and please just take our thank you thank you thank you for sending us um, because it was amazing and it was life changing yeah okay yeah, da. da da okay um, so um, let me just give you an update of some things going on and for for those of you that um, <laughs> Let me say this first actually so i'm about to tell you about how gage and i traveled all the way across the world and moved heaven to earth by the grace of god okay and so some of you might be sitting there thinking man that's so cool to do but i'd never be able to do that yes you can yes you can listen to me, there's no special thing that Gage and I have. We have the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And I want you to know that I was sent over there in probably the weakest state that I've ever been in as a believer. And I will tell you this very quick story as to why. So the Sunday before we were getting ready to leave, We had church and then life group, and then we were coming home and I was packing, and then we had church that night because my husband was singing and he was preaching. And then I was leaving at 5 a.m. in the morning the next day, actually even before that. So while we are all busy getting things ready, I'm upstairs packing, Gage is upstairs packing, Chris is downstairs preparing, Joey's doing the dishes. Well, you know, our little four-year-old Truman, who is overcoming autism, escaped out our house with our dog. And um, we didn't notice. I mean, I'm going to guess probably 20 minutes went by that he's just running around the neighborhood, okay? (laughs) And so uh, anyway, so all of a sudden, I'm like, where's Truman? And I start looking, and everybody's like, I don't know. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. You know, it was just this like, whoa. So anyway, so I go running outside, and I'm looking to our side yard, and he's not there. And all of a sudden, I see two police cars over at Fred's Pharmacy. Do you guys know where I live in the middle of town? Two police cars at Fred's Pharmacy, and I see our dog bebopping around, you know, just making this little circle. And I'm like, that's Truman over there. And I start, and then I see Truman bouncing, doing his little bounce, over in the pharmacy at the door, and this teenager, and I go running. He's mine! He's (laughs) mine! I'm like, he's mine. He's mine. Don't take him. He's mine. And I am panicking, okay, like panicking. I know all of you moms right now are freaking out on the inside because you understand what's happening to me. First of all, the police are there and they know that I've lost my child, right? And and this, I praise the Lord for this 15-year-old boy or it's ish that was walking down Indiana and saw that Truman was on Indiana. He was bouncing around on Indiana Avenue with my dog. By the way, my dog never left his side the whole time. Very good dog, however, I feel like she could have like channeled her inner lassie and come and let us know. (laughs) But she didn't. And so anyway, all that was over. They didn't take my child from me, hallelujah. But all of this happened, you guys, like right before And can we talk about what that did to me emotionally? All of a sudden, I realized that I don't trust God with my kids. And I didn't feel safe. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was beaten up by the enemy. I was full of hopelessness. I was full of doubt. I was full of pain. I was full of fear. I was full of fear. And I thought I was going to die. Like, I wanted to die. It was the worst feeling, and, and don't get me wrong, I had my moment of thank you, Jesus, for protecting my son, and thank you, Jesus, for sending the young boy who got him out of the road, and thank you, Jesus, for my dog, but then it was filled with shame of how how can you be a mom that loses their child, you know? I mean, all of this, the shame and the fear and the overwhelming hopelessness was just more than I could bear, and and it was awful, and I had to leave and get on a plane and go halfway around the world and leave that said child home. <laughs> Do do you see what I'm saying? Are you catching what I'm throwing at you here? I went in the weakest state that I can go in, and I praise the Lord that my husband preached that night on the armor of God because I realized I did not have it on. I was being beaten to a pulp by the enemy, and I allowed it to happen, and I thank God for that message because it carried me through. So I put my armor on, and I got my hiney on the plane the next day, (laughs) and I just went in full faith. Okay, so I want you to know that I don't care what your weakness is and how you think that you might be weak in some area, but God's power is made perfect through our weakness. Okay, so I went in the weakest state I've ever been. Thank you, Jesus, because his power was made perfect through that. I felt your prayers because I literally felt the grace of God the whole time I was there. I mean, the supernatural presence of God started from the time we got to the airport until I mean it was just amazing it was overwhelming so history of Russia so we went to Kalmykia which is a republic that's uh, kind of in the lower um anyway it kind of has its own way of doing things Kalmykia does and so they um There was a team of us, Johnny, Jeremiah, Gage, and I were from the States, and we met up with a worship band from Samara, which is about an 18-hour train ride plus a five-hour bus ride, so quite a distance away in Russia, met us there. And we all stayed in this one three-bedroom flat. There were like 15 of us, I think, in a three-bedroom flat and one bathroom. So, (laughs) yes, yes. Oh yeah and the water was off the first night we got there so that was awesome we were smelly people and um that seems to happen a lot over there so okay so anyway um so everyone that's there um, their ancestors are um, usually from mongolia anyway there's usually buddhism or shamanism somewhere in their ancestry or they were dedicated to the buddhist temple as children um, the other people were, were from Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox Church, which is another, it's not really Christianity, it's Russian Orthodox, and they, um, um, so there is, um, all of them, the whole place was kind of covered in this spiritual um, thing of just, ugh, does that make sense, I really, that's so spiritual, I mean, very biblical, but, um, Last year when I was there, the the spiritual atmosphere was very heavy. It was very thick. It was very, I mean, you could just feel the, it's almost like the air buzzed. You know, my discernment was just going off the charts. So this time it was different. It's like, it's like something has been lifted. And there was so much more permission to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and in um, all of the different, you know, just, just the Holy Spirit was able to move. Um, so... Um, our purpose there, I realized after I got there, was to help them to activate, to activate them in um, the spiritual gifts, um, to build bridges between the churches and between um, them and some Buddhist people. Um, we brought an aspect of deliverance to them. And um, anyway, so it was really cool. And then the seminar that I did was actually not the one I planned on doing. The Lord changed that too. So, <laughs> um, so here's what we did. Um, what we realized. Do you guys remember the message that I taught about Baal worship and about how there was um, Israel was dry from the drought, and um, it was because the people that they worshipped Baal, and you know, it was the time of Elijah and all of that. Well this was the state of this place you know they worship buddha they worship these false gods they worship witchcraft and all of that and and it has not rained there i mean they they get three inches of rain a year it's very dry it's very desert and uh, that's not typical for the climate that they live in it shouldn't be that desert like and um but it is and it's a spiritual thing and so um we there was a, a vision that one of the team from the samara got about how the fire of heaven was coming down. And I said, yes, just like when Elijah brought the fire down from heaven, you know, to show who really is God, you know, between Baal and Yahweh. And I really believe that that was happening through the demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit while we were there. And so we began to prophesy, you know, I see a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. And we believe that God is bringing natural rain and spiritual rain. And it actually rained on the last day before we left, which is really cool. Johnny says that strangely, it always rains when he's there. One of the days right before he leaves when he's there. So it's this prophetic sign that God is saying, my presence is coming in. You're bringing my presence to this place. So, um, we did a lot of activating in spiritual gifts. They're hungry for the spiritual gifts. However, they don't really operate in it. And so I probably taught that. I taught it at a home group. And then we, um, we activated people in it. And the message was um, the whole purpose of using the spiritual gifts is to have help the person have an encounter, a love encounter with the Father. So the reason we have a word of knowledge or the reason we have a word of prophecy or a word of wisdom or whatever is so that that person encounters love. And so that was real eye-opening for them. And we actually had them practice, which was they did it for the first time on each other and they prophesied over Gage and I. And it was really cool. And so they just had never done that before. And that night we saw two healings physically manifest. It was a man's back and um, another woman's knees. And it was just really cool. Um, And so, hold on. Um, And then we did a lot of um, private prayer time where the four of us from America would prophesy and pray over people. And I watched Gage, man, he was... He was amazing. He would get words of knowledge and prophecies for people and he just kept up right with the old folks. And so it was it was really awesome. I was it was like a giant wrestling game. We all tag teamed each other yeah. in. It's just like tag you're it, tag you're it. And yeah we would it w- just there'd be one person and we would just build off of each other and we'd be like i've got this part oh i feel this you know and it was just so cool we were just activating and then so what we would do with those people is we would help them activate in their spiritual gifts we'd be like okay now you prophesy over us and so it, it was really it was just really neat they just hadn't done that there wasn't an equipping done in that way they just didn't know so the other thing is that there are there are several different churches in Kalmyk or er, in elista Kalmykia that's this capital city there's several different churches However, only like three percent are Christian, or point zero three. Um, anyway, the churches that we worked with, um, there's just not a lot of unity because there's such a hovering of witchcraft. You know, all you know, it trickles down into gossip and backbiting and not unity and you know all of that. And so, um, there were major breakthroughs in the unity of the churches that happened when we were there. We actually would have there were a time or two when um, at least trying to think. There was one for sure where one of the people from one of the churches, a leader in one of the churches prophesied over a leader in the other church, and it brought down these walls of, and it was amazing, and they were crying together, and they were, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it was huge, and one of the things that Sviata had said to me was, she says, "Um, you know, I just had a revelation. She said, I feel like you guys are sent here to equip the leaders not just for the sheep. And I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> but we needed to be invited. So that was another thing that happened was that there's this revelation that, that we're there to help equip the leaders. And I would love to come back because the other thing is, is that they're not very trained in deliverance there. There's all sorts of people active in witchcraft and all sorts of crazy, crazy, crazy demonic stuff going on and nobody knows how to bring deliverance to them. And so that was an aspect that we brought with us and um, so I would love to go back and do a seminar equipping their people on how to bring deliverance to the people. Because anybody who gets saved, they've just come out of witchcraft, Buddhism, you know, all of that. And so that was really cool. So the other thing I want to share with you is that we had a meeting with these English speaking teachers, um, the English teachers. And they are all Buddhist, or they have practiced Buddhist, Buddhism in the past, or were at least they believed the Buddhism principles. They believed that if they were not good people, that they would come back as a cockroach. I mean, we actually had that conversation. So this time, we were sitting there with these women. There were three women, and then four of us. We're, they loved to talk to English-speaking people. That's why they were there. They wanted to come because they spoke English, and they wanted to speak with native-speaking English people to see how they'd sound. You know? and, um, but we just got to talking about our different religions in a very kind and respectful and honorable way and it was it was like well here's how we believe we believe this this and this and we were like oh that's so cool that you believe that way here's how we believe because they believe that you achieve buddhism you achieve the level of buddha that you can actually become buddha and i was like that's so cool i was like because we believe that, that Christ comes to live in us just as soon as we get saved. You know, so it's the same, but it's different because ours happens right away where yours happens over time. And we were able to do this comparison and it was very honoring. So here's the thing is that at the end, Svetta asked them, would you like them to bless you in the name of their God? And they were like, yes, please. One of them left. She had to go. Two of them stayed and they wanted us to bless them in the name of, of Jesus. And this one lady got healed her arm was healed. She had arthritis and pain in her right shoulder, and she was healed. And it was so cool. And the other lady was just blessed. Thank you so much. We're so, oh, it's just thank you. Thank you. And it was just amazing. And so what that did was that opened a door because I really just wanted to be like, okay, so would you like to ask Jesus into your heart right now? And so <laughs> I did that once with a lady that was very overcome by the Jezebel spirit, but that was another story that I don't have time for. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, um, so, But, but we, you know, we felt like healing, because what happened was, is they, they made a link with Sveta and them, and they're like, we want to get with you again, and we want to get with these people again, and so now they're going to ask Sveta to help them with their English skills, so there was a relationship built, there was a bridge that was built between them, and so that was so cool, so, so cool. Um, So I, I, we had to make a list of all the cool things that happened, and I am over my time, I think, Um, but six minutes over my time, okay, I'm sorry, and, um, so, let's see, activated spiritual gifts, okay, so the physical healing that happened, there were, like, eight physical healings that we saw, there were countless emotional healings that happened, because we would just sit down, people would come for personal prayer, and all of a sudden, we would just feel their pain, like, supernaturally start weeping, and, um, And so walls were just broken down, and they were able to get healing from the Lord and purpose from God, and and it was just so, so cool. Um, There was was one time that we prayed for this man who had just recently lost his son. His son was six years old. And when I say recently, I mean three weeks ago. Lost his six-year-old son who had suffered from spina bifida. And he was a mess, and he was weeping like he was... But you could see he was spiritually oppressed, too, and he said that he has smelled um, rotting flesh ever since his son died and then his friend died, like, the next day. He had smelled rotting flesh and he couldn't eat. Every time he ate, he threw up. It's like he was tormented by a demonic spirit and he didn't know it. And so, of course, that was we're left with this, okay, how do you steward this? Like, how do you do this? And, of course, the grace of God came in and we just walked him through a process of grieving towards the Lord for his son and the lord showed him a picture of his son in heaven i mean it was amazing and he weeped before the lord and this thing lifted so then we had to deal with the demonic thing and it was like okay so what door has been opened for you to have this thing and he had lit lit a couple of candles at the orthodox church and you know i mean there's just spiritual battles everywhere and so we walked him through a process of repenting and um it was way more complicated than this but long story short um, he he was freed from it. He was filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he went home and called us 45 minutes later and said, I don't smell it anymore, and I was able to eat, and I did not throw up. I am healed, and I am fixed. Praise and so, yes, that was absolutely amazing. <clears throat> there was another guy from um, uh, that was demonically manifesting, and so we walked him through, you know, just deliverance and it was just crazy (laughs) and so I have a um a list here when I made lists let's see the unity I did that oh we had an um I had I have it you know tagged unity things that happened in unity there was a late night prayer session that we had too where people from the different churches were represented and they prayed together with each other and it was just oh gosh you guys it was so like you just don't even know the miracle that that was that they were praying together and being together and it was just amazing. Um, the weird stuff, I actually have a category for weird stuff. Um, <laughs> there, was, um, uh, there was a, a guy that kind of had a strange presence on him and Jeremiah and I were at different places in the, um, in, the, in the sanctuary and both of us sensed an angel come in and stand at the back. And then we go to tell each other about it, and we're we're both telling each other the same story, and we're just like, "What?" And anyway, but that presence left that guy. It was just weird, <laughs> weird stuff. And um, uh, let's see, I supernatural. And we had another guy who was from the Samara team that actually was um, filled with joy. He got um, the laughter, j- joy and laughter the night of the prayer meeting, and so that w- he had never, he didn't even know that that was a thing, and it was just. It was just so amazing. So, um, and then Gage got to experience the Russian banya, which is the Russian sauna, with all these big, burly Russian men, goes into this hot sauna. And then they step out, they literally step out, and then they, they pull this lever, and this ice-cold water comes on them. And then they get back into the sauna, and then they get into this ice-cold pool. I mean, it's anyway, so he thought that was pretty cool. So you guys sent him all that way for him to have a Russian Banya experience. Thank you for that. Yes, he's a real man because he has experience. Yes. Um, So anyway, um, I said all that to just say that, um, again, thank you for sending us. We are weak vessels, but God's power was made perfect. You can do this too. Like if God is sending you somewhere, please say yes. Because I'm telling you, it will have nothing to do with you and everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And anything that, that does have to do with any training, let me just tell you this as well. We uh, we really are a church that trains and equips our people. There's a lot of really great teaching here that other people don't have. You don't realize that until you go somewhere else. And so um, there are a lot of things that Gage and I knew when we walked in that um that others just didn't, you know, they just didn't know. They didn't have that truth or whatever, and it was um, simply because God's doing something really cool here, and I say that with all the humility that I can. It's just that um, God has really brought a lot of revelation, and and, um, this place really hungers for it, and so I thank you for that, too, Um, but I am forever changed again. Um, I went through a horrible depression the first day that I came home because it's just like the post-trip blues. Part of your heart is there. Part of it is that you're so leaning on the Holy Spirit. The whole time you're there, you come home and you realize, oh, I don't lean on the Holy Spirit in my everyday life. Yeah, Yeah, it was a real ouch. I was like, oh, so that's what I'm missing is the source of my joy (laughs) in my everyday life. Anyway, so um I am honored and blessed that you guys sent us um, to be your vessels. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, such amazing things happen. This place is being changed um, for the gospel, and um, your seed that you sowed was—it um, was just amazing. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So, that's all I have. Do You want to say anything? Kay.
1: Amen. Just tell me, Gage, when you're in the sauna, you had clothes on, please. <laughs> my guess is some of the deliverance that took place was because you were playing the djembe because you are a prophetic drummer and you have been equipped to be a prophetic drummer and my guess is as you brought down strongholds through your anointing does anybody believe that So he played in two different places. I saw some of that Facebook stuff, that was good. Amen, praise the Lord, amen. Well, thank you guys for going. We need more people who will say yes, amen. And so I thank God that uh, Russia is being changed from Newcastle, Indiana, amen, amen. So praise the Lord for that. Well, what I'm gonna do is, um, because it is 20 till 12, I wondered if this might happen. And that's okay, that's not to make you feel guilty at all. I'm going to give you a little teaser about what I'm going to preach uh, next Sunday. How's that sound? And so this is kind of a trailer. And then I, uh, uh, and so um, we'll we'll see what the Lord does here. So, um, are you guys okay with that? Amen, thank you Jesus. So uh, what I was going to share on is to tag team with Tom. As Tom has been preaching over the last several weeks about um, our worship and the battle for our souls, and um, Tom has been talking about the uh, overcoming the obstacles, that many times that we are here in our corporate celebration, and how many times in our our worship our time of worship we feel many times how we're resisted and we don't feel the breakthrough that we uh, feel like we normally get and sometimes that happens often and sometimes that doesn't happen often and, 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 and Tom has been talking about how many times that, that, that the resistance that we feel or we experience in worship is sometimes we, we assume it's the enemy and we begin to rebuke the enemy and we come against spiritual forces and, and many times, and that can be, there's no doubt that that can be, but it is not always the enemy. And so Tom has been talking about how many times the, the, we, we attribute the resistance and worship to the enemy, and many times it's because we are being resisted, because we actually have obstacles in our heart and we have obstacles in our life that, 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 that keep us from experiencing worship the way the Lord wants us to experience it. Amen. And so Tom, recently he talked about the obstacle of pride, and he talked also about the obstacle of anger and offense. And what I'm going to be preaching on is another obstacle, and it's been an obstacle that has been in my life. And so, and I know it's an obstacle that you guys struggle with as well, and I'm going to begin to um, uh, preach next week on the obstacle of unbelief. And how unbelief is an obstacle to our worship. And, and, and the area of, of, of the obstacle in my heart, and I see it widespread throughout the body of Christ. And, 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 and I was going to call this the obstacle of a critical spirit. But the critical spirit is only the manifestation or the fruit of unbelief. And I'm going to share about unbelief and how unbelief actually affects our worship. And it affects our ability to engage the Lord's heart. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go into that. And, 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 where, and what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to give you a little teaser. Of, uh, and, and, and then next week I'm going to give a scriptural basis of what, what I'm talking about. But how many in here ever struggle with being critical of people? Anybody else want to be honest? How many times can you come into a service and be critical of what you see? Or critical of what you think church should be like? Or how about as parents when you're critical of your children? Or critical of your spouse? Mm, I'm so glad she's not here. Your spouse, that is. Tease Or critical of our nation and the leadership of our nation. Or critical of people at work. Or critical of people at school or friends. And I'm not going to beat us up. I'm going to give us some insight into why that's happening in our lives. And how we get free of that. But here's the journey that the Lord has been taking Karen and I on, really for quite some time. And last week when we went to the conference, I'm just going to give you uh, a little little snippet of what God was trying to show me, and then I'm going to build a scriptural basis for it it, um, next week. So the way that God began to change and transform my heart, because this has been going on for quite a while, but... A couple months ago, the Lord had put it in my heart and Tom's heart to go to this conference at Bethel, and we had gotten the plane tickets, we had gotten the car rental, we had gotten um, the hotel stay, and we had everything all ready to go, and just a few weeks before we're getting ready to go, I'm talking with Joel on Skype, and Karen's with me, and um Panic struck Eric Haler because there was one detail that I neglected to cover and that was to register for the conference. (laughs) A sold out conference. Well, I began to be a little critical of myself. Anybody ever done that? And immediately the Lord checked my heart and I started laughing and Karen said, boy, you handled that a lot better than I thought you were going to. <laughs> From experience. Yeah. And I called Tom and I said, dude, you're not going to believe what I just did. <laughs> he just starts laughing. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, really I really don't know what happened. <laughs> and so he said, well, that's my story I'm sticking to. And so I said, well, I'm just gonna believe by faith we're going to the conference. And Tom said, well, otherwise we'll have a great vacation. (laughs) (laughs) And so I began to make Jesse Cup, which in your bulletin, Jesse's gonna be in Indianapolis the 27th of this month. I called Jesse and I began to get desperate and I said, Jesse, man, I need help. And he said, dude, I know they've already turned 200 people away from this conference. There's over 1,500 people. Coming to this conference, dude, he said I'll put it on Facebook And I said great. Thank you And and so Jesse sends me a couple people that say they have tickets and I said great one of them is a student So I uh, I get on the horn to Joel and I said Joel this girl from Africa. Her name is (laughs) I said go and I said get the two tickets that she has he said, okay he goes and buys the ticket, and he comes back. And he said, Dad, they were 245 for two instead of because they were $100 tickets. And I said, well, I said, uh, okay. And he goes, oh, no. I said, what? Dad, I bought the wrong conference tickets. It's for the one in L.A. Details. So I'm, I'm now out $245. So I call the lady in Texas that has two tickets, and guess her ticket tickets are what for? L.A. I now have no tickets, and I'm out $245. Being very critical of myself. Are you with me? And so Papa begins to start kissing me. And so he... I call Bethel office, and by now they say we've turned away 300 people there are no tickets I'll talk to my supervisor I don't know And I said buddy I said I am not asking for special privilege I said if there's no tickets there are no tickets we're coming to California by faith we're gonna be at that conference I don't know why but we're coming and they said okay I'll let you know by tomorrow And so Tuesday comes along, I don't hear anything from them, and then I get an email about 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Eric, you're not going to believe this. Two hours after you called, we had a donor donate four tickets. Four tickets. And we're going to give them to you free. Papa. Papa. So... I have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. I have the best dad in the whole world. And so he kisses me with his love. And I'm saved from the wrath of Tom. Now meanwhile God is teaching me okay cuz what I asked the Lord for at this conference I said I needed some I need a prophetic word for some direction I am I'm 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 bringing my request before the Lord I need a prophetic word I need some direction I need refreshing and I need to see people the way you see them So step 2 so that's we get to the conference, we get to go, now we're on the plane on the way to California from Indianapolis to San Francisco. Plane is packed, full of people. And I look over to Karen, I said, wouldn't it be cool if that seat right there, that nobody sat in it? I mean, let's face it, I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some leg room, and she goes, oh, good luck with that. Guess what? Nobody sat in that seat. I was like, man, I'm going to stretch my legs out. She laid beside me, put her head on my, my, my thigh, and just those curly locks, man. I was just loving on her. Oh, <laughs> like, man, I'm just so favored. I look at Tom, and I go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kissed by the Lord. But then the Lord convicts me, and he said, yeah, but what if my goal would have been for you to minister to somebody? so he was trying to keep my heart right and not make it about me but yet he was trying to show me the favor of his hand and his love amen so then we get on the next plane the little puddle hopper from los angeles or from san francisco to um, india to redding and uh, just before the plane takes off mr Haler, will you come to the front to the desk and i was like it's barely i I i'm amazed even i heard it because there's so much noise at the airport so I go up there, and they go, do you mind if we change your seat? We really want to ch- change your seat. And uh, if, if you don't mind, we want to put you on the exit row so, because there's a lady with a baby that's on that row, and they can't be on that road. And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know why I say yeah? Because there's a bunch of leg room there. And so Papa kisses me with his favor, with his blessing. And so he kissed me there, and Tom will admit, and Michelle will admit, I was kissed over and over and over all week. I mean, to- by the end of the conference, Tom's going, is this the Haler Conference or something? <laughs> but again, I want to tell you that, not because I'm important or I'm highly valued, but, but, but I'm highly loved. I am extremely loved, and you are extremely loved. And what God did, as soon as we get to the conference, we're waiting in line for five hours. Can you imagine Tom Preble waiting in five hours in line? We're, we're waiting in line for hours to get into this just to have a decent seat. And I'm going to make this, we're running out of time, Your you guys are loving this story, aren't you? You're tracking with me, right? And so we get to the conference, we're in line, and all of a sudden, these Bethel students, their second and third year, all of a sudden, they start coming out of the, they look like ants, you know, and they're starting to come in, and we're all in line, and they start uh, prophesying and declaring words of the Lord over people, and dude, they come right at me, man, they, I mean, if I, if I was Ken over here, I mean, they're coming right at me, and they begin, I got t- over ten prophetic words in two or three days and most of them I lost because I was recording them on my iPad and all you heard was the wind (laughs) but Tom praise God for Tom he is a detail man he got got several of them on on the phone and so I'm getting all these prophetic words i this all this crazy crazy stuff is happening and um, each night that the conference goes we keep getting further and further back in our seats because more and more people are waiting. So, if the conference started at 9.30 in the morning, people were getting there at 5.30 in the morning to get seats, like right up here. All you folks, you need to be sitting up here in front with me, come on up, come on, no, i was kidding. But people were waiting in line from 5.30 in the morning till 9.30 to get good seats. Well, Tom and I didn't feel like that was a godly thing. We just, I'm joking. We got our sleep and so we would get there around 8 o'clock in the morning and we would get in line but each time we were getting further and further back and so we the last day of the conference um, we're up in the second level not the main floor level matter of fact we don't even get to sit with Tom and Michelle because um, I wanted to in row because I'm a wide body I'm like a grand prix a little wide and so um I sat a little higher than Tom, and so but it wasn't a bad seat, but the place was packed, and so Karen and I are just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I see this couple come up to us and they go, "Are you here by yourself?" And I said, "Well, I'm with a guy down down there, but we're not sitting with him today. Well, the Lord just highlighted you, and I feel like we're supposed to give you our seats. Would you like to sit on the second row?" <laughs> me No. No, so we go to the second row, and so there's a couple here, me and my wife, and we got Bill Johnson right here, we got John Bevere, we got Mike Bickle, we got Eric Johnson, Jen Johnson, and all the worship people from Bethel and all those people sitting right here. I said, dang. Now, I honor these people because they have meant a lot to my heart on what they teach and how they equip the body of Christ. And I text Tom. I said, Tom, I'm not above you anymore. I'm on the second row. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Not cocky. Not cocky very thankful because God's doing a work in my heart and he's teaching me something about how he feels about me and how he feels about you. Oh my gosh, we have no clue. So I thought I would do the righteous thing the last meeting of the service. Hey, I'm going to give this to Tom and Michelle. And so Tom and Michelle get to sit there the last, the evening meeting, and we went and spent time with Joel. Now, then comes Sunday morning service and er, Steve Freeman shares. And Karen and I go home that evening and Papa's still working on our hearts. And me and her are talking. We're saying, man, God's trying to give us a revelation of how he sees people. And we're in this journey together. Man, me and my wife, we are, we're a team. And we're, we're saying, we have got to start seeing people the way God sees them. And so we, we, we've been talking about it. And we're talking about it. And we decided to watch a TV show. And we pop on the TV, and we are set up by Papa again. And so we wa- and we don't get to watch the whole show. And has anybody heard of the movie Shallow How? Shallow How is on, and I will say it's a PG-13, and there is one scene that is risque. It is really a rated R scene. So I will just put that disclaimer in there. But we watch about half of the show. And in this show, I don't know what has happened. I've tried to rent it at Family Video so I could watch it again because I wanted to show a clip here. And even Family Video doesn't have it. And in this show, this guy, he, and I don't know what happened in the first part of the show, but in this, he is dating this woman that's like 400 pounds. And his eyes have been changed to see her as a ten. And so every time he looks at her, he sees this bikini babe. He sees this woman that is woo-la-la. But his friends are going, why are you dating her? Ugh. She's so ugly. She has, what are those called, anklets? Uh, canklets. He goes, what do you mean she has canklets? She is Beautiful. She is drop-dead gorgeous. And so we keep seeing this going back and forth between this beautiful tin model and this very, very extremely obese girl. And everybody around him is seen. But what had happened is he began to see, really the Lord, I wanted to say, began to let him see the inner beauty of this woman. And he fell in love with this inner beauty of this woman. And he wasn't seeing this until his eyes were opened later as the spell was removed. And he begins to see her, and then he runs from her. And he's at the restaurant, and she breaks the table because of her weight. And he begins to see how shallow Hal really is, and how shallow his love was based only on outward appearance rather than the in un, the, the unfading beauty of the inner man. And it was like, I look at Karen and I said, we have been set up. We have been set up by Papa. Because God says he does not look on the outward appearance of man. But he looks on what is on the inside. And if the truth were known, (laughs) most of us are looking with our flesh rather than our spirit man. And I'm going to begin to build a case next week about how God wants us to love people based upon some of that experience. And based upon what the word of God says. And I pray you'll come back. I pray you'll want to see people after the spirit. Rather than seeing people after the flesh. Because I'll tell you. We walk in the flesh. And we are critical. And we see the very opposite of what God sees. And what God began to show me. In my own life. And why he was doing that. Was to show me actually how he feels. Does that bear witness with your heart? So if you have a critical spirit. I'm going to attack. The obstacle of unbelief. And you're going to say, how is it tied to unbelief? You're going to see how this is tied to unbelief. Because when it boils down to it, we don't believe God in people. We believe more in the flesh of people rather than the power and what God says about people. And so I'm going to take you on a journey with me. Will you guys do that with me? Amen. Praise God. Well, with that, what I'm going to do, we just got a few more minutes. And um, so that's the teaser. And I hope you'll come back next week. I'm going to let Sandy Dillon, she felt like she was supposed to share her testimony about what God spoke to her during worship. And I'm going to let her do that. And then I will come back up and I will dismiss us and ask God to really reveal himself. Are you still ready for that, Sandy? Amen. What's that? You thought you were off the hook. Well, you're back on.
2: Um, okay, um, give me a second to put my thoughts together. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we were standing up here, that was one second, right? And um, our song was playing, this last one, He is Yahweh. And it began to, I mean, you guys know the lyrics. It's, it's, a f- it's a familiar song. It began to speak of everything He is to us, but everything we tend to forget when we come into walking in our own power. And we spend so much time looking through the earthly window that we end up trying to walk through our days in our own power. And I catch myself doing that all the time. So the Lord's put in me this gifting that is supernatural from him. And I think I'm all that in a bag of chips and try to just be everything to everybody. And, um, and it when it fails, I get tweaked because I don't feel like I'm in control any longer, and control has been a big issue in my life. Um, I have a D personality, so for those of you that know what that means, basically it's the the um, take charge and make it happen kind of personality. And when I don't have the ability or something is ripped out of my hands, it completely jacks me up. So because of that, I've done a terrible job of allowing the Lord to um, stay in control a lot of times. But here's something, and you guys all know I shared um, a testimony, most of you probably know that since 2011, actually since 1988, but again, started in 2011, I have been dealing with um, benign tumors in the head and neck. And the Lord has been amazing, and He has supernaturally touched me in so many ways that is n- just not common for this disease. Um, and it is a genetic component, a part of my body. It's a which we know that's obviously a um, something that uh, the Lord can break off as well. You know, He can heal the sins of our fathers, and that's basically what that is. If you have a, gen- a, a an illness that is a genetic illness, that is. Um, As a curse. That's one of the sins of the fathers passed down through generations. So that can be broken off. And I really did some of that and thought I had, and I think I did to an extent, okay? Because for three years now, I've not had all of my scans have been clear. And because it is hereditary, my oncologist every year does scans. So first of all, let me just say um, everything that I've witnessed with other people having the treatments versus my treatments supernatural, supernatural healing. um, Radiation on a tumor that no longer is there that should have done nothing more than stop the growth. There's evidence only of where the radiation affected the the tissue around it, but the tumor's gone. And that right there is not the norm. So, a couple of weeks ago I did my yearly scans and some things showed up on my tumor. Um, There was there was on my tumor on my liver. Sorry, guys. There was one tumor that that was had been they had been looking at, and they thought it was a fatty tumor, and that's very common for the liver. But then there were th- two, or there was one other, and so they did another cats uh, another MRI with different contrast, found that there were actually four tumors, and the liver is not a primary place for me to receive growth of of the tumors, so they consider that mystatic. So in doing so, that's automatically. Um, a malignant diagnosis. So in all reality, as the world would see it, I now have liver cancer. And I had to stand there and go, what the heck? Because I, other than being really, really, really tired, I don't feel sick. Um, And so I wasn't okay with even acknowledging that I have liver cancer. Not that I was in denial, but that I've learned, and again, I've been with New Covenant for 19 years now, and I have, I have received the fruit of all the amazing teachings that, that, that I have been privileged to sit in on. So I know the power of my words and the power of my thoughts, and I am not okay with saying I have liver cancer. I am okay with saying there are four, l- there are four tumors in my liver, because that's reality. And they consider those malignant but they're not going to control my life. Um, so the, there was a Monday that I had a biopsy. The Wednesday I received the con- confirmation of the diagnosis that they are malignant. Um, that was around 5 o'clock. I was with a client. I had to hold it together. Ironically, the Lord placed me with a specific person that was having a crisis with her liver. So as I had kind of shared with her, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you feel the stress, understand the strain. I know what it feels like to wait on a phone call. And then my phone call came. I stepped out on the porch. I received the phone call. I'm like, um, okay. I mean, what else do you say? What else do you do? I'm not going to fall apart right there. I'm not really even going to fall apart, period. And I walk back in, and I sit back down at the table, and she's like, and? I'm like, oh. and I don't want to tell you about it. But here's what they said, and she's like, Oh, man. I'm like, but here, let me tell you this. Here's what I know. I have a mighty God, and he has already taken me through all of this carotid artery surgery on both sides of my neck, supernatural removal of a tumor tumor in my larynx, um, paralysis in my vocal cord, right side, all kinds of things I should not be able to do, but I am, and removal of a tumor in my back of my head, so what's four more tumors to him? And so she's like, oh, okay. So we're, we've kind of been having some little discussions about her belief system, and that was a perfect opportunity, and that was set up by God. So I walk out. I kind of chew on the everything, and I get home, and I tell Tony about it, and I'm struggling with how am I supposed to tell my kids because I know that they are not going to necessar- necessarily see it the way I see it and I'm going to have to explain uh, you know this is me in my worldly mind trying to figure this out what do I do how do I do it what are, how are they going to respond how do I respond accordingly to make sure they don't respond the way they're going to respond and then how do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> this is the way my brain functions so then the next day I get another phone call from the oncologist during the the, the day the school day and then he was even joking. He's like, it's my daily call to you. And I'm like, yep, sure is. And so then later another person calls and they schedule my new oncology appointment with the new doctor. And then maybe 30 minutes later I get another phone call and they schedule um, a MIG scan. And it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Tuesday is the new doctor. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Three more trips back to Indy. I'm done. I'm tapped at this point. Now, I'm officially overwhelmed, and I'm freaking out, and I'm, like, ready to go home. So, I did, and it overflowed that into that night. It overflowed into Friday. I didn't go to work, just kind of laid there with my head under the blankets. Um, Saturday, I probably slept in until <laughs> noonish, ish um, and I got up mad, like, seriously, I came downstairs. Didn't realize we've been trying to keep some things on the low down around Bethany, um, but she had overheard things, so she pretty much knew what was going on. But I didn't know she was sitting on the couch when I came storming down the steps, going, "I'm ready to fire someone!" And I'm just sobbing. And Tony's like, "What?" I said, "I am going to fire someone. I'm going to start with my primary care physician because he says I'm fine, and I have liver cancer." And Bethany goes, "What is wrong with you, mom?" And I'm like. Oh sorry. Yeah. So I caught myself because I'm not allowed to be like that in front of my kids. Anyway, long story short, it took me about seven days. And here was my turning point. Sunday. I'm still stewing. I'm like, how am I gonna work how am I gonna work? And I'm the primary person with the income and I've got the insurance. And if I don't bring income in, how are we gonna survive? And who's gonna pay the bills? And blah 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 and <laughs> So Denny Kramer not too long ago had t- had been here and he gave us a t- um, he gave me a prophetic word, and he had look, he had asked for Tony but Tony wasn't here my husband and so I pulled out my phone and I started hey listen you need to hear this this is this is relative for us this is what the Lord said about our finances the Lord said that we are going to need an increase in our finances and so one or both of us needs to start looking for. A promotion in our job or a raise. Well, to me, I'm like going, it's not going to be me. I'm occupied. Dude, you need to listen to this. You need to go get a new job. You need to. So I'm like pointing a finger at him. I'm like, dude, you need to own this. But then Denny goes on and he starts asking about my older brother. And my older brother is a special needs adult. And what he was saying did not make any sense to me whatsoever in, in the natural. My older brother has been a Christian since he was young. We were both raised in a, a Christian home. He's he understands to his capability, and has a good relationship with the Lord. Um, so what he said was, um, he has been trying to reach your brother, but he's not been able to get through to him. But he is going to use you and your circumstances in your life as a testimony to get through to y- y- your brother. And so, keep you know basically realize this is getting ready to happen and when your, your brother is going to start asking questions. And so the minute he said that, the light bulb went on and I went, oh. The Lord said, this is it. This is your road. This is, this is the adventure I'm getting ready to take you on. And it may not look pretty to you, but what have I already done? What have I already done for you? So what makes you think I'm going to let you down now? So just let me help you. Let me use you. Let me be my tool to reach this man. Be my tool to reach the people in in your area. Allow me to use you as a testimony. I went, okay, because now I have a purpose. Now I have a God-appointed purpose for this. And I now can go, here we go. We can do this. So... I have to say that Monday morning, I mean, uh, pretty much after that, I woke up, and I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like, this, this, this issue of my, t- my liver and my tumors is not riding right here in the forefront. It's not pulling me down. I'm not depressed. I'm not, um, I I'm, I'm will admit, because this is such an extremely rare situation that not even the treatment is uh, understood so doctors are trying to figure out how to treat this and I may be going out of state to do so but even that even that is where now I'm at the place that's where the Lord has me now submitting all of that and that lack of trust in man because I have a major lack of trust in man okay I'll admit it And um, so that is where I am right now, and that's where I'm handing that over to the Lord, and that's where I'm saying, no, I believe, I believe, I believe that everything that's meant for harm is going to be turned to his glory, and that that I will be another testimony again. And I also know that I have a responsibility to myself. I also know that there are things that I need to be doing. Um, and I loved it last week. Susan said, four things. You need to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, thank you. I can hold on to that. I can do. Um, And I have to even submit that to the Lord because I tried to attempt to go off of coffee and sugar all at once and about killed myself. But what I'm saying is... (laughs) I believe. (laughs) I believe. I refuse to allow the enemy to take this set of circumstances and manipulate me and tear me down. And I am asking all of you guys if you will join me in uh, agreeing with me for my health, my spiritual, emotional, and mental, and my physical. And if you guys would just pray with me and just know that there is something greater going on than liver cancer. And this is just a tool. So.
1: And the enemy is a tool. The enemy is a tool, too. And so, what was the prophetic word that Karen said uh, during worship about we write our own book, and so we need to give God permission to write these chapters? So, Father, we invite you into this situation. And, Father, we believe. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon you, and by your stripes were healed. So, Father, we speak to the cancer, and we say you're a trespasser. You're trespassing, and we command you to leave in Jesus' name. So, Father, we do stand with Sandy. We do believe you for greater things father we declare there is no cancer in heaven what is in heaven we bring it to earth in jesus name and we just speak life into sandy's body we speak life into her emotionally we speak life into her spirit soul and body in jesus name and as a church family we will contend we will contend we will contend We will contend with you in Jesus' name. We will contend to see the kingdom of heaven manifest in your body. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for all those others in this house. There are many, Father, sick or things going on in their bodies. And, Father, we are kingdom carriers, and we contend for your kingdom to come and for your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for this service. Father, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, bless our guests. Father, we pray that they've experienced you today. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us and prepare our hearts to begin to see you and to see others the way you see them. So Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week, and we love you. We love you. We love you.